0: Hey everyone, before we get into today's talk, we just wanted to take a moment and say thanks. Thanks for listening and thank you for all your support. And if this is the first time you're hearing this podcast, we just wanna let you know that we are a church that meets in the Greenville area in South Carolina. We are really passionate about faith, creativity, culture, and building community. Our heart is that this podcast brings added value to your life. As well as it helps you in your own journey of faith and understanding the human experience. And with that, let's get right to it. As Galileo was being led to prison, he said this: the earth still moves. In the previous year, which was 1632, he released a book. It's called Two Chief World Systems. And in this book, he introduced a theory that was revolutionary. It was iconoclastic. It was very disruptive. And this theory had to do with what is our perspective on solar systems? The dominating worldview at that point was the solar system that revolved around the earth, which was the dominant worldview towards anything outside of this space. And Galileo had a 20-power telescope. This is in the 1630s. He had a 20-power telescope that told him otherwise. And he, got, he released this book, the church, the Catholic Church deemed him a heresy, a heretic, and his book was pure heresy. It was so heretical in the mind of the Catholic Church, of the church of that day, that they put that book on the forbidden to read list. And then they arrested him, put him under house arrest for the remainder of his days which was about nine years of his life. And what's fascinating is 350 years later, the church recognizes that his view of the solar system ended up being right, which was in 1992. And it was the idea that the, earth does not re- the, the solar system does not revolve around earth, the solar system revolves around the sun. What's even kind of cooler is, in a, in a museum in Florence, Italy, there's a glass case of Galileo's middle finger. I think he got the last words. <laughs> when I think about, when I let my imagination go for just a little bit around, what was it like for God to create creation? I, I can only picture him just having the time of his life, although you can't say life because life doesn't make sense to God because he has no beginning and no end. So I'm left with human terms to try to describe. There had to be so much joy in the heart of God as he's creating creation. As he is speaking, he's saying, let there be light. And it happened, and not only does it happen, it actually works. And what's beautiful about light, it's still working. And he uses language, let there, it's almost like everything was waiting for permission and God said, let there be light. And I don't know if you've been snorkeling, but snorkeling is really fun because you get to experience a world that you were not born for. But if you find a way to hold oxygen or have an oxygen tank, you're immersed in a world that is just vibrant, full of color, full of life. And there's some animals under the water that are so interesting, they're almost so ugly, they're beautiful. And God on that day said, we're going to create this. And then he decided to put different colors on the same animal. I mean, God was painting his masterpieces in creation. And then he said, we need to, we need to build, we need to build some, something called dirt. Because out of that dirt, a lot of life's going to come. So imagine God thinking through the molecular structure of everything and all the detail. And the fish will be able to breathe underwater and animals will be able to breathe something he created called oxygen. And then he said, we need to create a liquid called water, H2O, and no one, no creature will survive without it. And just imagine God just playing. I mean, he is just painting his masterpiece. He's sculpting his masterpiece. And then he comes to the point where he says, I want to create humans. I want to create people. And I'm really glad our noses are not upside down. <laughs> not just for visual reason, but for if it was raining, we'd all have these interesting devices to keep the water out. And I'm so glad we don't have three eyes or four eyes or five eyes, because nothing with that many eyes looks good at all. (laughs) It looked scary, but God said, two's perfect. Two's perfect. And then he said, we're gonna put two long limbs on the bottom half of their body so they can walk. And we're gonna give them five toes because five toes makes perfect sense. Because if you're missing one of those toes, it affects your walk. And then he thought, we're gonna put some gray matter inside their skull. And this gray matter is going to be the topic of scientists for centuries. How is that gray matter obtaining that much data? How much is that, how is that gray matter able to store memories from decades before and can remember it like it was yesterday? And that gray matter is actually going to be able to have ideas that, if acted upon, will create a whole new future. So imagine God creating all of this. But what he had to decide, he had to decide, how am I going to distinguish the difference between humans and everything else? Because there are some similarities. We smell. We walk. We make noise. We breathe. We eat and we get rid of everything we ate. And so there's a similarity, but there's a common denominator within humanity that I want to talk about today. It's called faith. We are the only thing God created that had the ability, the capacity to have faith. No other creature can have faith. So that's the common bond of the human experience is to literally just have faith. And faith is fascinating because it's, It's this thing that is inside of us, and what's fascinating about faith, it's actually a choice. You get to choose where your faith is aimed or anchored in. Some people put it in Mother Earth. Some people put their faith in Buddha or in the prophet Muhammad. Some people put it into an idea. Some people put it in faith in self, which I think is the lowest form of faith. I believe it's a waste of faith. I believe it's unimaginative, it's uncreative, it's certainly not compelling to put faith in self. But the bottom line, God puts something in you that will long for something outside of you. And this ability to anchor yourself into something that you can't see. So the common bond that ties us is faith. You see, faith is actually surrender. It's not an accomplishment. It's not an ending point. It's the beginning point. And in the gospel, Jesus describes faith. He says, faith is like a mustard seed. And a mustard seed grows into what's called a mustard seed tree. And you can do a little research on it. They vary in size and it's common for them to get at least 20 feet. Some of them turn into massive bushes. But I love how Jesus used that as an example, because faith is anywhere between something you can barely see to something that's quite obvious. Faith is everything in between. And I wonder how much of us, our faith is so static and flat and dead, we don't realize it's lots, it's life. You see, faith is dynamic. It's creative. It's a living thing. It's growing, it's dying, it's increasing, it wrestles, it's navigating all of the human experience. I think sometimes we forget that faith, it actually enables you to wrestle with the human experience. For some of us, we have faith, but we shut off the rest of our humanity. Nope, this is how it is. Don't talk to me about anything else. But what about about the experiences that you can't reconcile? What about the experiences that you can't reconcile with your faith? You know your faith says this, but your human experience says the opposite. And not just one moment, but you have decades of it. I know for me, I've been holding faith for something that has been with me the day I was born. So I have to reconcile my human experience with this thing called faith. And I refuse to let my faith get so static and flat and dry that I don't actually ever wrestle with this. Some of you need to understand, faith is not an arrival point. It's not an accomplishment. It's not a place you come to and that's it. The other week I I had this thought. I wonder if we need to strip the Christian off of us. And get back to what it means to be a human that has faith in God. Some of us have some costumes on with our faith. We have some layers. We're impenetrable. And yet we can't figure out why we feel flat. We feel maybe dead. Or we just feel, yeah, this is it. You see, faith is vibrant. It's, it's alive in you. It's something on some days, you are, you are like Galileo. I know the sun is what we revolve around. And then other days, you have all the doubt filling up all the space inside of you. This is the human experience with faith. Faith. Have you ever asked the question, what what is God's perspective on faith? If you have your Bible, to open your apps up to Hebrews chapter 11. Let's read this together. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to read verse 1 and 3. And then we're going to read some other portions of Scripture in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Let's read this together. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the world were framed by the word of God so that the things which were seen were not made of things which are visible. Let's read verse 1 one more time. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The fact that you have faith reveals something that you can't see. It's just a matter of where you put it. A number of years ago, I was in a gas station. I was filling up my... My truck with gas, and I went inside to pay for it, because the credit card machine on the pump wasn't working. So I go inside and I thought, I might as well buy some ice cream, so I bought some ice cream. And I go to the counter, and I'm behind somebody that is talking to the man behind the counter. And the man behind the counter was um, of Indian descent, and the other man was um, a white guy and I'm sitting there in line just getting ready to pay for my ice cream, and I could tell there was a little bit of a discussion between the man behind the counter and the man that was buying, um, paying for something. And the, the volume was getting louder, and I'm just like, let's just get over it, I wanna get out of here, you know, I'm just like, get out of there mode. And all of a sudden, the man that was buying something began to do some pretty strong racial threats at this guy. And it was the whole market there, there's a little gas station, everybody in the anxiety just went to the roof, just like that. And I'm sitting there with a pint of ice cream, just watching this. And I go, hey! But I didn't know what to do after that. And they both look at me, and I'm like, I didn't know what to say. That was it. Hey! And the guy, the guy that was all mad doing the racial stuff, he picked up his stuff and left. And I'm like, OK, that worked. It worked. I didn't know what was going to happen. And so. I find it was my time to buy and I look at the man, and I say, I'm so sorry you experienced that. I'm so sorry. That's ah, fine, it's fine, and that was it. Faith says, hey, in the midst of chaos and confusion in life. That's what faith does. In the midst of chaos and confusion in your own life, where you're wrestling with the meaning of life, you're wrestling, why is my human experience not matching what the Bible says? Faith goes, hey, this is true, but wrestle. Wrestle with it because our goal is our faith takes us to a place to be elevated like Jesus' faith. But so many of us disregard the human experience and we're just camping out here and we can't seem to understand why it's not working anymore because it hasn't been tested, it hasn't been tried, it hasn't gone through the storm to see if it's actually true. Your mind wants it to be true, your mind says it's true, you, but your soul doesn't know if it is or not. You see, your mind wants your dots on all the I's, the slashes on all the T's, but your soul just longs for a river to jump in. In order to wrestle, you have to wrestle with your human experience to understand why is it not matching what God is saying or what the Bible is saying. What I want to tell you today, wrestle with your faith. Yeah. Ask questions. Why? Why have I been sick in this area of my life and I've seen so many people get healed but not mine? Go to God and you'd be shocked at how many people come up to me. One lady came up to me and whispered, I am so mad at God. I'm like, why are you whispering? So I don't want God to hear me. <laughs> and I'm like, well... I didn't go into any, I just said, I I told her, I said, you know what you need to do? She was visiting. I said, you need to go back to your hotel room and have it out with God. You need to have it out with him. You need to let him know how angry you are. He is not scared of your anger. He wants you to bring that before him. And guess what? He's going to meet you right where you're at. And some of us are so scared to admit we have unbelief because that's not what we're supposed to do. This is it. True, it's all true, but you gotta deal with this. You gotta deal with this right here. Your soul is longing to wrestle with life so you can be elevated to how Jesus says it is. So the rest of Hebrews, let's move on. I have a couple minutes left here. I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. You're already there, go to verse 11. Now for those of you that are unfamiliar with this chapter in Hebrew, many people call it the hall of faith. It's about different individuals throughout the scriptures that God, that the writer said this is, God said this is the person of great faith. And this is an amazing chapter. We're going to read at least one. We may get to two. I just have a couple minutes left. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11 and 12, it said, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age, because she judged him faithful who had promise. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead. Let's pause right there. Who is he talking about? Abraham. Abraham and Sarah in the Old Testament, we're around 95 years old. This is what scholars would tell us. And they received a promise from God that they'd be father of nations. So let's read the rest of this verse, and then we're going to go to Genesis. We're born as many of the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. Now quickly go to Genesis 18. Genesis 18, verse 11. I'm going to start reading and let you catch up to me. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also? 13, And the Lord said to Abraham, Why does Sarah laugh? Saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Is anything too harsh for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, No, but you did laugh. Now, whenever God says why you laugh, your answer should be, I laughed. Here's what fascinated me. It's God goes to Abraham and Sarah said, says, you're going to be a father of nations. You're going to have many children. That's what that promise is. Sarah laughs, and God says, you laughed. She said, I didn't laugh. So here we have God take that entire story, and in Hebrews said, that's a woman of great faith. What's my point? That does not look like faith to me. Faith would be she didn't laugh. She would have said, amen. That's exactly how it's going to happen. She had to wrestle with the reality of what God was saying. So sometime between Genesis and the fruition of that promise, she would step into what faith actually looked like. She wrestled with her own experience. The last one, I'll make this very brief. And then later in the chapter, There's a statement about Moses' mom. She was a woman of great faith. And if you know the story or don't know the story, this was in a time when the king released the Caesar and Pharaoh had released a decree to kill all the firstborn males. So Moses' mom has Moses give birth and he's a beautiful boy. So she hides him for three months. At the end of three months she realized I can't hide my son anymore, so I have to put him in a basket, cover it in tar so it doesn't sink, and put him in the river and he'll float down the river. Now, since it's Mother's Day, let me do a quick survey. How many moms in here think that's a logical, great idea to put your three-month-old baby into a floating basket in a river and just see what happens? No mom said that's a logical, great idea, but what did they tell us that was the only option? That was her only option. But in Hebrews 11, God says, she's a woman of great faith. Sometimes faith is doing what the only option is in front of you. Sometimes faith is literally going, I don't know what else to do. I'm going to do this. It may come from fear, it may come from doubt, it may come from unbelief, but it's a step like, this is what faith is for me in this moment. And let's let God determine what faith is, not you and I determine what faith is. Why don't you stand? We need to end. That was a very short one today. But we wanted to crack open the conversation around faith. Faith is not an arrival point, it is a journey is wrestling with your own human experience and against up against what you know is true. So, Father, I pray for every person in this room today. We thank you for all the moms. We celebrate the moms today, but yet we pray for everyone in this room. We are people that you have placed within us the ability to have faith. And I pray in the coming days that we begin to wrestle with our own life experiences and to put it up against what you say is true. And Father, we know this is an invitation to go deeper in you and to go farther with you. And I pray out of this space right now, there will be people that were move into new levels of faith for their own life and for the people around them. That impossible situation would actually become possible deep in their soul. And we bless this room. And everybody said? Thanks for listening to today's talk. For more information, you can always go to our website, which is studiogreenville.com, or check out our Instagram, which is studio.greenville, and you can follow along for all the latest happenings and updates. Other than that, have a great week, and we'll see you soon.